as we are, have come to worship the Lord. And uh, so many of our songs this morning have talked about the real King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other. Some of you probably caught some of the coronation yesterday. It was quite, a, a, quite amazing and all that kind of stuff. But we did throw their tea bags into our harbor. So there you go. There you go. That's all. Nothing, nothing, historic, nothing hysterical about that. But anyway, I'm thankful that we can be here to worship God and just to declare his praises. I pray you're doing well. If you're doing well, hit the person beside you and say, I'm doing okay. Well, some of you, listen, I want you to touch each other. We're not in COVID anymore. You can just hug and stuff like that. Good. Why is it hard for us to listen and to pay attention? It's uh, one of the problems we have in our day and age. And so when I talk about the matter of listening to God and hearing God, uh, there's a lot of roadblocks that get in the way of that, but it's, it's imperative that we do it. Jesus said, uh, our Savior, our Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In other words, as the great shepherd of the sheep, he calls his sheep, and they follow him. They'll go out. If they don't belong to him, they won't follow him. And uh, Jesus also said that to the religious people. He said, you don't know who I am. You're not going to follow me. But my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they're going to follow me. Hearing God is absolutely imperative for the life of the disciple, the life of the believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's one major concern that I, as your pastor and elders, as we're leading uh, here and uh, responsible as your overseers to care for you, one of the biggest questions that come up, and we have a lot of issues that we deal with and a lot of things we look at and are concerned for you about and prayer for you, but the, one of the greatest questions we have is, are you prepared uh, in your heart, in your spirit for anything that's going to come against you? Are you ready for that? Are you prepared? Or are you living in some sort of a, it'll not happen here, or something will happen someday, but it's not going to affect my life? And I'm not just speaking about the end times, which are very important. There's so much coming. If you read the Word of God, there's so many events that are happening, and we could go into a lot of, a lot of details, and some people do that, go into all the different dynamics that are happening in Israel, in Syria, in Iraq, around the world and things in our own government, and you can begin to see uh, things afoot. The Bible talks about those things that are happening. And I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, because we're in a time of great pressure. Uh, we as your leaders, and I, I believe that we are in perilous times that the Bible talks about. And so the question is, and I'm going to get it a lot closer than that, but I'm saying on a world, world Bible worldview of what God is saying in this day, it's a matter of learning to listen to God. But that applies not only to the out thereness of our world, but the things that affect you and your family, affecting me in daily life and so forth. But we have to understand that God warns us, God prepares us. And the question is, are you prepared? For that and what would that look like? Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, Paul is writing to this young pastor, and he said, "I've got to tell you a few things so that you are ready, and that you can talk to people, your people, about this." And this was some two thousand years ago, of course. But it's like reading the newspaper. Look at verse one. But mark this. Mark it down. 
write it down. Put it down somewhere because I'm going to write it to you. There will be terrible, or other translations say perilous times, in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, treacherous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. I believe that we could pick up a newspaper if they even sell newspapers anymore, so I won't use the newspaper analogy. Go to your Google News or uh, Fox News, CNN, whatever news source, Newsmax, whatever you have, and you could probably find a present-day example that would apply to each one of these statements. People who love themselves, people who are slanderous, people who are treacherous, people who are boastful and proud, unholy, without a, 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 a touch of holiness anywhere around in how people are behaving and people are working, conceited, uh, love what they love, uh, the stuff, more than they would follow the living, true God. The evidence of that's everywhere. Corruption, anger, murder, so forth. But Paul goes on to tell Timothy, look down at verse 10. I don't want to uh, go through every word of chapter 3, but it's worth going through. But he said, you, however, know all about my teaching. So he said, Timothy, I want to talk to you about something. You know about what I've been teaching you. This is, you know my life, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions and suffering. What kinds of things happened to me? Even while I was over there in the city of Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet I'm going to give you a testimony. God delivered me. The Lord delivered me from all of them. In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I'm not sure if that's still in your Bible or you, did you cross that one out. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear anybody who desires to live for God is going to be persecuted. So just be forewarned that God talks about it in his holy scriptures that if you want to live for God, it's not going to be an easy trip. You're going to be uh, accused. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be uh, uh, maligned or put aside or maybe even losing a position at, at your work or with family even, when you desire to say, my life belongs to God and I'm going to live for him, I'm, I'm following the Lord Jesus, that is more important to me than my very life, understand this, that you will be persecuted. Now, I would expect at that point, you all jump up and down and say, amen, I'm in, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're still asleep, now wake up. Does that, does that excite you that you're going to be persecuted? Please be honest and say, no, it doesn't. It doesn't excite me. But I've experienced it. Many of you have already in your life. I remember walking into the shop early one morning. He said, and you're an elder. You're an elder at that church. What kind of miserable person are you? I said, you want to take it outside? I'll leave my elder here and we'll go deal with that. Uh, but anyway, you just smile and say, what is it? Somebody just trying to get me, get me to react some way to come against being 
a person who's trying to live for God in all that we're doing. We face that. But Paul goes on. He said, everybody's going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers, look down at verse 13, and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He said, it's going to come, but are you equipped? Have you gotten into God's word to become important in your life that you're taking the holy word of God, the scriptures, that is profitable for you? It's going to be a benefit to you would you be in the word of God? He said, this is where you need to be. So some of the questions that I would be concerned about is, are you saved? Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I don't mean coming to church. I don't mean that you go through re religious rituals. I mean, do you have a personal relationship with the living Lord Jesus? You know, just because you, 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 you got, drive through McDonald's doesn't make you a happy meal. You know, it, just because you're thrown in the oven doesn't make you a cookie. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you live in America, in particular, it used to be, well, I'm an American, I'm a Christian. No more, no more. That, that, that ability to, to claim that is gone. The question is, are you saved? Have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you bowed your knee and said, forgive me for my sin, Lord Jesus, and open your heart to him? That's the question that every one of us needs to answer. I mean, I'd like to say, oh, yeah, they're a Christian. No, you know, and you're going to testify to that fact. But that's a concern. You're never going to be ready for anything if you don't haven't aligned yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have a relationship with God? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Baptized in the Holy Spirit, do you have him? Is the word of God important to you? Are you spiritually prepared for life and what's coming? Throughout the scriptures, there's many examples, and I've only uh, chosen several of them, that come, situations come, and people in the Bible, you can see their lives, and we're to learn from their example, what they did. We can learn from them. Uh, and they ask God for direction. What shall we do? What are we going to do, Lord? Old Testament leaders, kings, prophets. Oftentimes, we're facing an enemy surrounding them. What should we do? have a situation come up within the whole people and say, God, what should we do? And most of those come from uh, the examples that I have. If you're reading through the Bible, you're into First Kings now, and you've seen it over and over again, how they inquired of the Lord. They said, God, we need to know what your word is. I'm gonna, let me give you just a quick several examples. Go back to your older covenant, the Old Testament here, um, and look at the book of, of uh, Judges, starting at Judges. We're going to go there. I'm going to sort of walk through so you can just keep turning as we go. After the death, verse 1, uh, chapter 1 of the book of Judges, first verse into the book said, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, Who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah shall go up. I have given the land into their hands. I've gone. Judah can go. 
So the first question was, what are we supposed to do now? Uh, Joshua's dead. Where are we going to get our direction? He was our, he was our leader after Moses, and now what do we do? And they asked God, and God said, this is what you should do. Now go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Go to chapter 23. And we're going to talk about David for a few minutes, just, for, just real quick, but about David. 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. Verse 1, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Calah and looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines and save Calah. But David's men said to him, here's Judah, we're afraid. Now how much more then if we go to Calah and the Philistines' forces? Verse 4, once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, you go, I'm going to give them into your hands. You go. Go to chapter 30, 1 Samuel 30. Like I said, I could spend a, a lot more time showing you example after example, but just several here. Chapter uh, 30, 1 Samuel 30, and verse 8, 7. Then David said, Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring in me an ephod, Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Shall I overtake them? Go to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Are you getting the message? Are you beginning to see it? Chapter 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it, went down to the threshold. And now the Philistines came and spread out in the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack them? What will, who will, will you deliver them into my hands? Go to uh, verse 19. The Lord answered, surely go. Okay, down to verse 23 is one. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, don't go straight up, but circle around. The Lord was going to fight for David. He said, this is what I want you to do. Last week, we talked about uh, Paul. And as they were traveling in Acts chapter 16, they said, where should we go? How should we go? And he said, well, we want to go here. No, the Lord said, don't go there. Well, how about here? It said the Spirit of the Lord wouldn't allow them. He said, well, what about this? The Spirit of Jesus said, don't go there. But then he had a vision, and God said, go there. So everywhere along the way, God is speaking, giving direction. Go to Psalm 32, Psalm 32, and verse 8. I want to give you a foundation that we need to have. I'm trying to give you that, the, the word here that says you need to know how imperative, how important it is to hear from God. This is God's promise, Psalm 32 and verse 8. 32, 8. I will instruct you. And teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's God's promise. He said, I will guide you. I will instruct you. I'll give you counsel. I'll let you know which direction. That's God's promise. The question is, what do you do with the promises of God? Are you going to apply them? Are you asking God for them? I don't know. Some of us are old enough to remember the promise box. There's a little box on the dining room table that had little cards in it. It was called the promise box. 
And every day you pull out a promise and it would be a scripture. I don't remember all those. I do remember that we did it as a family growing up. We were kids growing up and mom and dad said, "Let's okay, somebody grab the promise box. What's God's word for us today? Pull out a card. It was a promise. And I am sure that we learned and uh, did it because I can remember some of it is that we began to put that into practice, what God gave us, the promise. I so, I'm so thankful for what was shared earlier about a quilt that had be at, be at peace. Prayed, Lord, I need your peace. What am I going to do? Here's the scripture. What do I need? God is speaking. I can walk in peace. I'm going to get to some of that in a little bit. Why is it that we people encounter God seemingly only in the times of great need or personal crisis? We have, that's when we go after God more than any other time. It's when things are pressing in. If I could go to David's life, he said, I would ask him, when, when are you crying to God? Hey, we got an enemy outside the gate. And that enemy has one desire, and that's to destroy me, kill me, kill our people, take over the city, and destroy the kingdom. What do you expect me to do? It's a crisis. So what does he do? I'm going after God. It, it, it's pretty simple, really, is that crises are situations we don't know how to handle, which must be solved in order for us to survive. How are we going to make it? Therefore, in crisis, we turn to God. Came across this quote the other day. Our desperation, coupled with our inability, our weakness, and our need, makes hearing from God an absolute necessity. It's our desperation. God, I need to hear your voice. Why do we, why do we miss it so often? All the turns and changes in life. Why is it? You know, the New Testament believers didn't have the New Testament. I, I, that may surprise you, but the disciples couldn't read the book of Revelation. They didn't read uh, Peter's book until it was passed around to people uh, or uh, uh, the Gospels of Jesus. They didn't have that. What did they have? They had the Old Testament. They had the writings of Genesis through the Torah, through Deuteronomy. They had the Tanakh. They had the Psalms. They had those. They could study those, but they didn't have the New Testament. Their dependence, the early disciples, their dependence of hearing God was solely on the, on the promise and the ability for the Holy Spirit to speak to them. What should we do? Where should we go? They watched Jesus do it. When Jesus inquired of the Lord, he got alone and he said, Father, you know, uh, we can even go to the garden. Can this cup pass from me? And he said, no, this is my will. Okay, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus even showed them how to walk. In fact, they, the disciples at one point said to Jesus, listen, John is teaching, John the Baptist is teaching his people how to pray. How should we pray? He said, well, pray it this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he taught them a prayer to say, you need to listen to the will of God, find out what it is, and then walk in it. And that was the, the, uh, the disciples' method. The Holy Spirit came. We have the same promise. Go to the Gospel of John, John 14. John 14. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's at the, uh, what we call the scene of the Last Supper. And Judas has left the scene of the Last Supper. He goes out to betray Jesus last time, last several hours before the cross. 
And he said, i got to give you some words, guys. I want to talk to you one last time. John 14 and verse 1. And the first verse that we read here is he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus came and they were troubled. In chapter 16, I see that grief has covered your hearts. Stop that. He said, don't be troubled about what's going to come at you. And could I say this? If one of the, the greatest things that I think that you and I need to grab hold of to face the perilous times that we're in is to determine that I'm not going to allow that to trouble my heart. I'm going to trust in God who can handle that and handle my life and my wife and my children and my grandchildren and my friends and the church and the world. God is big enough to do that. Amen? He's great enough to meet every one of your needs. And so he says to his disciples, listen, I'm going to go away, but don't get shook. Now that's the translation from the Greek, literally. Don't, don't quit messing. Don't go there in your heart, in your thinking. You've got to trust in the promises of God. And then he's, he goes on to say that really the greatest promise I'm going to give you is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at down to verse 16. And I will ask, 14, chapter 14, verse 6, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He goes on to chapter 16 and gives this promise again, further explaining it. Verse 13, 6, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, if the Holy Spirit is going to do some talking, shouldn't we be listening I mean, all of us know this, right? It is very frustrating when you're talking to somebody and you know they're not listening. Could be your child. Might even be your spouse. No, no, I won't say that. You guys have wonderful marriages. Everybody listens and talks nice, right? Okay, moving right along. I didn't hear any amens on that. Okay, good. I'm glad you didn't amen that one. All right, listen. He will speak not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit was promised to all those who would follow the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit's work is to guide me into all truth. Does anybody know that we are in a battle for truth today? I mean, people say, well, I want to know what's going on. Well, let me ask you, how can you trust almost anything you hear from any news source? About the time I believe something, then something else comes out to say, well, that was a lie. This is the real truth. And I say, well, that might not be the truth because they found out that something else is over. You know, you could go crazy trying to discern what truth is if you try to do it out of your own brain. Now, some of you got bigger brains than I do. I know that. Not bigger ones, better ones. We all have about the same size. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to call anybody a big head, so it's not bigger than mine. I've just got a head, Okay. How do you determine that as outside of your own experience? Well, that's what I feel. Well, where'd you get that? Well, I feel that. Well, where'd you get that? Well, I feel... Listen, 
I am thankful, and you ought to be too, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to guide us into truth. There are things that you're going to hear that suddenly the Holy Spirit inside you said, ah, 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 that is wrong. Don't, don't listen to that. What should I listen to? I need to listen to the Word of God. I need to get His Word, His ways. He's going to help me with that. He's promised. He's promised to do that. You see, the promise of God is that the Holy Spirit is going to guide me there. And because of this, listen, he will never guide me into the wrong path. He's never going to take me to a place that's against the will of God. The Holy Spirit's guidance system for every believer is God's gift to us. And I'd ask you, what more do you need? What more than the almighty God who created heaven and earth when he said, when Jesus said, I'm going to ask and the Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit, what better way to walk through life than hearing what God says in your life on a daily basis, whenever you come up to the crisis, whatever happens, you're prepared to say, Lord, I'm listening to you on that. You see, the promise of God's purpose, his presence He's got a plan. He's got power. He's got all this. I can't buy that with money. I can't earn it somehow. But it's freely given to us by the Holy Spirit. When I submit myself to his way and his rule in my life. John 8, 32. You can write this one down. We won't go. And he said to his followers, he said, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You see, the knowledge Knowledge is the supernatural revelation of his will for my life. You'll know the truth. Truth will set you free. It sets us free to do what? Free from sin. Free from the, that following after that way. Free from this. He will free me and you to follow the Lord Jesus, to follow his will in my life, to do all that he called me to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, Lord, I don't think I'm measuring. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being all that you want me to be yet. He said, well, I want to be that. I'm going, I want you to become all that I've called you to be. I've gifted you. I've called you. I know your name. I love you. I've made you. I've fashioned you. i got work for you to do. But, Lord, I'm not doing well on that. Well, come back here. His promise is that he will bring me into the freedom to do all he wants. He's promised to lead us, but we must choose to follow his guidance in that. Another question I have is why are so many of us so messed up? Why, is it, why are Christian people messed up? Now, I know we all got situations. But could our messes come because we haven't stopped to listen to God? That we haven't obeyed his voice? There's things outside of our control, I understand that. But I, would, I desire that all of us are prepared to walk in the victory that Jesus promised us. All the way through. Not, not to live just from one mess up to another mess to another mess to another mess. I believe that God said that I will lead my people, I will feed them, I will instruct them, I will guide them, and they will walk in my righteous paths. I've heard it too much, too much in my life. Oh, those Christians don't want anything like they have. Their life's a mess. Why is that? It's because we haven't displayed God's victory in that place. We haven't seen his power working and trusted him and turned our faith to him. Lord, you see the mess I'm in, but I'm choosing to allow you to work in me that I might become all that you have called me to be. 
Do you think that the enemies of David, Hezekiah was another one. I didn't turn to Hezekiah in 2 Kings where he said, I've got a, I've got a word from the enemy. The enemy said, I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy you. Hezekiah in 2 Kings, he brought the letter and he put it at, in front of the altar and he said, God, you read it. Here it is. What are we going to do about that? And God said, this is what you're going to do about it. There's a plan. I believe that God can give you direction even in the most difficult situation you can face. Many of you know the story of David Wilkerson. He was that uh, pastor in, in uh, New York City back in the 60s. Started a ministry called Teen Challenge. Drug addiction, uh, seeing many, many hundreds and thousands of people set free from the addiction of drugs and alcohol. Teen Challenge, they're still around. Went up towards Cleveland, been there, seen how God is setting people free. His son Gary, David Wilkerson has now passed away. His son Gary pastors uh, in Colorado Springs, but he's also the head of the ministry now. One of their last newsletters came when Gary Wilkerson said, I'm about to step out from the, uh, from the back of the place where we were to address about 2,000 pastors. They were in Denmark, I believe. 2,000 pastors to address this congregation. When I get a call from my wife, and the call is our 18-year-old son has overdosed on heroin. What are we going to do? And he said, here I am. Suddenly I get a message, a barrage of something that we didn't see coming. We didn't see anything about it. And here I am, the son of David Wilkerson, who established freedom centers for people on drugs. And his own grandson, our son, who I love with all my heart, who I've walked through his, all his life. And here he is on overdosing on heroin. What should I do? He writes in his newsletter, he said, I walked, or I stopped where I was and said, God, I can't handle this one. I don't know what to do about this one, but I'm going to put him in your hands and you're going to give us a direction through it. As soon as he got home, they began to deal with their son and see walking him through freedom seeing him, and God delivered him because God gave them a strategy to see God's purpose worked out in his life. He said it was the greatest crisis he'd ever seen, experienced in his heart as a dad to see that happen. When the enemy comes in and robs your child or whatever, you say, God, what are we going to do? I want to tell you something. God is not surprised, and God is still able to meet you right where you are. I don't care what it is. Now, that's easy to say because I don't have one right now that's that serious. Doesn't mean I won't have in the next five seconds. But I do know this, that unless I'm prepared to turn to God in the midst of that thing, it will be a mess. We've got to be prepared. I want to give a couple of very quick practical and pointed issues that you need to face into right now. Now, you can make the your own you can make the list that I'm going to give you. Why is it hard for us to listen? Number 1 is we're too distracted. We're distracted by life. Where do I go? We're distracted. You can have the best GPS receiver in the world. But if you don't pay attention to that thing, you're going to make a wrong turn someplace. 
that GPS that said, turn around, turn around, make a U-turn here, go back, go back, go back. You can have one of those screaming at you, but if you're distracted by just radios up too loud in the car, you're, you're talking, you're listening to something else, and you don't, you're not hearing the thing. We're distracted. We live in a world of distractions. I've said this before, but who would have ever thought 40 years ago that if people would say, one day we're going to have something operated by, we won't blame it on our government, but the government will get sanctioned to it, that we're going to have something that we're going to carry around with us day in, day out, in our purse, in our pocket, by our bedstand, in our, everywhere we go we have this thing and everybody knows where you are at all times. We would never do that. 40 years ago, I said, you're out of your mind. It's nobody's business where I am. But here we have it, right? In fact, maybe my mom's tracking me. Hi, Mom. I don't know. I know my wife knows where I am. Why are you over there? How do you know I'm over there? Well, I have a little button I push. Find Jim. I need a... Don't laugh at me. You all have one of those. I remember when Tom Sawyer was walking down the canyon, uh, Grand Canyon, a couple years ago. They hiked down the north side and walked up the south side. Monica called him from Hartville and said, I see you're right, right there at the, the, uh, that, that lookout spot on the south side of the Grand Canyon. He said, how did you reach me? How do you know? I know exactly where you are. But think of that. They, we have things in our life that can distract us Talk to Matt about his latest, the, the person that crashed into him the other day. What were they doing? They looked up, looked back down, and continued to text. I think, the, I think Ohio has put together a law that if you get caught doing that, it's, it's lots of buku bucks they're going to get it from you. Why? Because they have determined that GPS is, is or, or your uh, ability to drive, not GPS, your ability to drive requires that you're not distracted. I thought of this word, I was writing some things down, it says we are preoccupied with things. Preoccupied. I thought about pre, pre. Pre means before. Before the events happen, we are preoccupied so that when the thing we should be occupied with comes, we're not ready to get it. We are too distracted by the world, and it's easy to do. I'm not telling you. We, we're looking out the window. We're texting. Our kids are misbehaving. The yard is screaming, please mow me. The neighbors are screaming, I agree with your yard. Mow it quick. We got distractions everywhere coming at us. But the preoccupation is that I've already determined that I've got stuff to do before I listen to what's coming. What is God saying to you? There's a lot of different things. I, we looked at this the other day. Uh, Luke chapter 10, 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, you're distracted. In fact, the NIV uses the word, you're distracted by too many things. You're missing something important here. Mary has made a good choice because she's listening to what I say. I don't know what he was saying to her. The Bible doesn't give us record. But it was obviously something very important that even Martha needed to hear. But Mary had chosen. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. We are like 
uh, children on phones. Kids are on their phones and Xboxes. I didn't find that so much with my kids because we didn't have those things. Uh, we had crank up radios and stuff. <laughs> they wasn't that bad. But they get on their Xbox. Anybody who has a grandfather, grandparent and you know your kids are there and you say, uh, we're going to leave here in a few minutes. Okay, Grandma, I'll be right there. They didn't hear a word she said. They answered her, but she didn't hear it. They're not listening. How many times have I been engrossed in something, doing something, and Judy says something from the other room, and I, I, give, her, I, I give her an indicator that I heard her, right? Okay, I don't have a clue what she just said. Why? Because I was distracted. I wasn't listening to something she had to say. When we were raising our kids, we had a technique that I learned, and I encourage all of you to do the same, is you stop them. Stop, stop playing your Xbox. Look at me in the eyes. Now, I want this off in five minutes. Could you repeat that? You want it off in five minutes. Okay, if it's not off in five minutes, what's going to happen? I don't want to go there, Grandpa. <laughs> you know, five minutes, I want it off. What do you do? You get their eyes. I believe that the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of the church and said, would you look me in the eyes and let me give you direction for your life. But we, we just assumed that they heard. We had a kid in our neighborhood. He was just, his mom was always after him. And we're running around the neighborhood as kids. And one day, we just couldn't help ourselves. She was on the other street, but they were back, backyards and stuff. And she hollers, David, come home. Supper time, David. And what do we said? Okay, mom. That kid, when he got home, got. I said, we're going to get him. Why? You answered me. You heard me. Why weren't you? I didn't hear you. Honest, mom. No, you answered. It was us that answered him. Okay, mom. See, that's not a nice thing to do. I'm confessing my sins here. Matthew 6, verse 6. He said, go in your closet. Go in there. Stop. Listen. Block out, the, block out the distractions. Listen to what I have to say. 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray, and he taught them the model prayer. You and I can pray everywhere, and we should. We can pray all the time, and we should. We can pray in every situation, and we should. But there is a dimension of getting quiet before God and say, God, I want to hear you. I want to block out. Someone had a, a really interesting technique. Have a piece of paper and a pencil, and every time a thought comes in your head while you're waiting on God, write it down. Get it out of here. Write it down. Something else, write it down. Get Begin to write down all those things that the enemy knocks on your head about and said, oh, what about this? Don't forget to get uh, the cream. No, he would never ask for cream cheese. He said, don't, don't ask. He said, I can't forget that on the grocery list, whatever. Get it out of your head. Why? So that I can remove the distractions. Say, Jesus, I want to be in your presence. The last one, and I'm not going to give it to you because it, it fits in with the last one. We're in a hurry. You got to get out of here. <laughs> but we're in a hurry, aren't we? Got to get done. Uh, I'll give you a quick prayer, Lord, and then I'm going to get that over, and then I'm going to go on because there's a whole lot more important things than this. 
Jesus and all of his preaching, healing, casting out of demons, never ran anywhere. He was never in a hurry. He was always, why are we in a hurry? Because we usually have procrastinated and not done what we should have done, putting it off, putting it off. So now I've got to hurry to catch up. Wait till the last minute. Or we live in a culture right now that says I should get it when I want it and I want it now. And why don't I have it? I'm in a hurry. I want quick delivery. You know, we're complaining because at the drive-in window, it's taking them four minutes instead of three. But you, you already took two minutes looking at the menu and said, out of five choices of hamburgers, which one I want, five other sides, 16 desserts, 45 drinks, and I'm taking my time. And now when I get there, why isn't here? This is the slowest drive-through I've ever been. No, you were slow back here. But that's what we want, we want it now. I mean, the, the things we get from the delivery, whether it's UPS, the post office, Amazon, wherever we get it from, they said they'd be here before noon. Where are they? Well, try to go back to 90, 100 years from now, and you wait three months to get it by train. We want it now, don't we? Where are they? It's better to listen to the words that will confront our hurry-up attitude. Out of Psalm 27, it says, wait upon the Lord. Psalm 47, wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. I'm going to finish with this. I have about five or six more distractions that we need to face into, but that's enough. 1862, a man wrote a psalm, a, 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 a poem, a hymn. He said, take time to be holy. Speak off with your Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessings to seek. Take time to be holy, the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him thou shalt be, thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide. And run not before him, whatever be tied. In joy or in sorrow, still follow the Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy. Be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each moment beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou shalt be fitted for service above. We've got to take time, people. How, how do we get ready? You get ready by being in the presence of Jesus and trusting him for the next thing that comes. Would you receive that this morning from him? Worship team, if you'd come. If we'd all just stand together. One of the greatest gifts that God also has given us, not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the gift of repentance. The gift of repentance is to turn from sin, to turn from our wicked way and follow him. One of the things we need is humility as well, humble ourselves. And say, God, I, I just give you my life. I repent. It might be good if all of us would just take a moment in, in our hearts to say, Lord, I'm sorry for how I've let the world distract me from you. Lord, I've been in such a hurry. 
and I've not positioned myself to be ready for when trials come, persecution comes, struggles come, the end times issues are here, Lord, but we want to be prepared in our hearts because you know all that we need. Lord, we repent, we turn from our ways. This morning we're turning towards you. We're turning towards the power of the Holy Spirit. We're turning towards the power of your love. Lord, we grant, we give this to you this morning. Allow God to touch you this morning as we sing. Lord, I come.